So the Hollywood Awards season is done for this year and yeah. Record low ratings for all of them. Weird formats. Bad choices for winners. I love you, Anthony Hopkins. But Chadwick should have taken the Academy Award for Best Actor, you know? But the Oscars, the Grammys, Screen Actors Guild Award, even the Razzies, they'll return next year. Their future is secure. The Golden Globe Awards, we're not so sure. Hosted by a secretive group called the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, it's always been seen as a cotton candy of awards shows. A party where the celebs get drunk and dole out awards, and it kicks off awards season. Not anymore. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Today is May 6, 2021. American birth rates fall to the lowest rates since the 1970s. The Biden administration supports lifting vaccine patent protections, and Facebook continues to ban Donald Trump. Well, he'll always have MySpace. On today's show, the LA Times investigations that led to the implosion of the Golden Globes, and an ultimatum that could rip the globes of its star power. We'll also hear from Shashti Fla, the Norwegian reporter who took the Hollywood Foreign Press Association to court. Stacey Perman and Josh Rottenberg cover the film industry for the LA Times. In February, just a week before the annual Golden Globe ceremony, they published a bombshell investigation about the operations of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. The findings were ugly. Self-dealing, ethical lapses, no black members, and the HFPA continued to make a series of missteps. Now, a group of powerful publicists in Hollywood have declared that they'll keep their clients away from the Globes unless the institution announces real reforms. And this week, they finally did. Stacy, Josh, welcome to The Times. Thanks. Thank you for having us. So, Stacy, most people know about the Golden Globes, but not the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. 86 journalists from across the globe. Who are they and what do they do? Well, they're a group of foreign journalists that are based in Los Angeles. And basically, their raison d'etre is the Golden Globes. They started in 1943 as a group of sort of disparate journalists that were hoping to get more access to Hollywood. So they banded together and created this association. A year later, they thought they could raise their profile by giving out awards. And over the years, that has snowballed with more money, more attention, more access. The Golden Globes, to get a nomination you know, is seen as a huge marketing tool and a lead-in to the Oscars and other prestige awards. But what's interesting about that is I think a lot of people think you have this August name, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. You think it's this meritocracy with this large organization of very, you know, prestigious journalists across the world. But come to find, you know, that's not really the case. It's a very small group of people. Not all of them are actually full-time working journalists. A lot of them work for small publications in obscure markets. And for better or worse, they have become an arbiter of film and television across Hollywood and the world, so to speak. Josh, why are the Golden Globes and those nominations of winners so important? For a long time, they weren't. The Globes, uh, you know, for many years was sort of an also ran among awards shows. Nobody took them seriously. The sense was that the awards would kind of go to whichever stars were willing to 
kind of show up to collect them. The way that uh, NBC has always pitched this show is that it's Hollywood's party of the year. Live from the Starfield International Ballroom of the Beverly Hilton Hotel, welcome to the 67th Annual Golden Globe Awards. Everybody kind of leans into this idea that it's just it's just goofy fun. And now please welcome your host for the evening, ladies and gentlemen, Ricky Gervais. Shut up, you disgusting pill-popping sexual deviant scum. What has really kind of broken through pretty often with the Globes has been the scandals, like Pia Zadora in 1982 being named new star of the year for this movie Butterfly after her husband flew HFPA members to his casino in Las Vegas. You also had the movie The Tourist, this Johnny Depp and uh, Angelina Jolie movie that everybody despised, and it drew a nomination for Best Picture in the Musical and Comedy category. I'm Elise. I'm Frank. That's a terrible name. (laughs) It's the only one I've got. But since the awards started airing on NBC in the mid-90s, they've kind of come to occupy this improbably important position, even while everyone acknowledges that there are these serious issues of sort of legitimacy and credibility. If you talk to publicists, they'll tell you that it's very hard for there to be sort of serious adult fare without awards. Um, The studios love to be able to tout Globes nominations and wins and advertising in the run-up to the Oscars, and winning a Globe can boost an actor's career, and movies that do well at the Globes can carry that momentum toward the Oscars. So you have this kind of weird cognitive dissonance where, you know, you can have Ricky Gervais get up and call these awards worthless and meaningless while he's hosting them, but then at the same time you have millions of dollars invested every year in trying to win them. For any of you who don't know, the Golden Globes are just like the Oscars, but without all that esteem. Yeah, you had Gary Oldman saying that, uh, you know, that they were a joke. And then when he gets nominated for his role as Winston Churchill, all of a sudden he's going to show up and get it. You compare that then to the Academy, you know, 9,000 member group of people who actually work in the industry, yet the Globes continue to persist. Why do you think? Well, I mean, it's it's a very kind of convenient thing for the industry. You've got this very small group that uh, seems to be very eager to be wooed. Um, which makes it a very appealing target for the studios and networks. Um, It's much easier to influence the votes of 86 people than it would be to steer, like you said, the thousands of members of the Academy. And the HFPA, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, they've been accused of exactly this type of pay-for-play behavior before. In 2011, its own publicist sued them, alleging unethical and unlawful behavior like accepting lavish gifts. And then last November, a Norwegian journalist who we'll hear from later, she filed a lawsuit against the HFPA and made similar allegations of corruption. She actually kicked off the Times investigation, right, Stacey? Yes, Zashti Flaw's lawsuit certainly brought renewed interest to this group that had long been scrutinized and even mocked. But I think it put a fine point into a lot of these allegations. She applied for membership a couple of times and had been denied. And basically, she called the organization, you know, almost a cartel. She described it as uh, having a culture of corruption. And then when Josh and I went into investigating further, we found all sorts of things. For instance, there was a, a broad issue 
of payments. You know, the, the group is a nonprofit. They make a lot of money from the broadcast of the Globes. They're sitting on about $50 million in cash assets. Last year, they made close to $30 million for the broadcast of the Globes. And while they give a lot of money to charities and philanthropy, and they're very public facing about that, they also give a great deal of money to themselves in the form of payments to serve on committees, to work on various tasks related to the Globes and their other activities. There were all sorts of issues around junkets. One of the most eye-catching, I suppose, was around the nomination of the TV show or the Netflix series, Emily in Paris. So basically, this Netflix show is kind of this fun and frothy series, but it didn't make any critics' top five or ten lists of the year. And when it was nominated, it certainly raised eyebrows, particularly in light of the fact that the HBO show, highly acclaimed show, I May Destroy You, was snubbed. And then our reporting found that 30 members of the HFPA took a paid junket to Paris, which is common for the HFPA to go on these paid junkets. Once in Paris, where the show was filming, The studio put them up in a five-star hotel and treated them to a lavish lunch and a press conference on the set, which at that day was at a private museum. And I think this really put a fine point on what many people have criticized the HFPA, particularly the connection between having to woo and cultivate the HFPA in order to get attention for your TV show or your project in order to get a nomination. And there was also a phone call after the murder of George Floyd, right? Right. Another one of our revelations was that the group has no Black members. And this cast a pall over the Globes that year, and they talked about it, and they pledged to do better. And then we found that a year earlier, in the wake of the George Floyd murders and the Black Lives Matter movement that sparked all over the country, there was discussion about adding a diversity consultant to the HFPA. And we got a hold of a tape of that meeting and that discussion in which they actually rejected the idea. Some members said they were diverse enough because they felt they represent you know, dozens of countries One member actually brought up the idea of considering bringing on Oprah Winfrey as an honorary member. It seemed to be very tone deaf. And in light of the fact that now a year later, they were making a front centerpiece of diversity in their own reforms, it it, it was quite shocking. The lawsuit was filed in federal court. A judge rejected it. Shashti is filing an appeal. Josh, how did the HFPA respond after that initial Times investigation that was published in February? Well, uh, you know, they have promised this sort of transformational change. They've said that change is long overdue. They brought on a law firm to sort of do an audit of their practices. They brought on a diversity consultant and a crisis PR consultant. But, you know, behind the scenes, what we've been reporting is it's a very fractious group. There are some reformers, but there are a lot of people in the group who see themselves as the victims in all this. It's very hard to get these people on the same page about a way forward. They have very restrictive bylaws that make it very difficult to actually institute reforms. So it's been a kind of a stumble of a response so far, but the proof will be in the pudding when they announce what their actual reforms are going to be. The HFPA had so many missteps in the months since. 
You had the former president, Phil Burke, sent out an email in mid-April calling Black Lives Matter a, quote, racist hate movement that was subsequently let go days after. The diversity strategist who was hired to fix this mess also resigned. You had Hollywood's biggest publicist representing some of the biggest talents publish an open letter demanding change. All this pressure for the HFPA to reform. And earlier this week, the board actually announced some changes. Right, Stacey? Yes, this was a benchmark week in the history of the HPA. On Monday, the group met with the board and its outside lawyers, and they presented them with a framework of proposed changes. And the proposed reforms are fairly substantive. They touch on all of these issues that the group has long been criticized for and that were raised in our investigations. For instance, they include that they're going to have to add 20 new members this year and expand the overall group by 50% in 18 months with a focus on diverse members. Another area that the group is going to review is over policies regarding paid junkets and the gifts that members receive from studios and networks. There wasn't much specificity around some of the thornier issues like board compensation and committees and paying members for serving on those committees and other tasks, but they said they're going to review them. So now if the group approves in principle this framework today, I think that's when the hard work's going to begin because they're going to introduce these full proposal amendments in June. They're going to vote on them in July, but they require a two-thirds majority. And this is a notoriously divisive and fractious group. So I think that is going to be something to watch particularly because a lot of these changes are going to dismantle a number of perks and revenue generating policies that these members have enjoyed for years. And it would also mean that existing members are going to have to reapply under a new set of criteria. And those requirements are likely going to knock out a number of members that are in the group currently, including this population of lifetime members who are in their 70s and 80s and 90s. And if they don't pass these reforms, what do you think is going to happen to the Golden Globes? Well, then I think that's a, that's a very interesting question because it's not just a question of whether the members want to approve them or not. You have almost every significant group in Hollywood watching to see what's going to happen, and they want these significant reforms. Already, the publicists are withholding their clients. You know, without celebrities, there's no Globes. You talked about some of the scandals involving HFPA. You talked about how so many people have considered it a joke, yet it got this undue power over Hollywood. And so it seemed like HFPA was impervious to any scandal. Now, though, it seems like something might actually happen or the publicist might even say, nah, we're done with this. What do you think changed? Yeah, I mean, in a way, they were kind of overdue for the sort of reckoning that the Academy went through four years ago with Oscar So White the Academy reacted very quickly to that controversy and took dramatic action to bring in hundreds of new members, uh, which they've continued to do every year. They've doubled the number of women and people of color in the organization. The HFPA saw that and apparently didn't think that it would apply to them. They would just kind of shrug off these kinds of scandals that happened in the past you know, within the industry that just contributed to this idea that the HFPA was sort of Teflon and would just survive anything that was thrown at it. But, you know, we live in a different world now, a world of social media, a world of sort of social justice movements. And, um, you know, you have advocacy groups like Time's Up that didn't exist in the past that uh, are really going to kind of hold the HFPA's feet to the fire. 
Thank you so much, Stacey and Josh. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. After this break, we talk to one Norwegian journalist who is taking the Hollywood Foreign Press Association to task and to court. That's coming up. Shashti Fla is sort of like Norway's correspondent for Hollywood. She's been based in the U.S. for almost 15 years and files reports for multiple Norwegian outlets. That makes her seem like a perfect candidate to join the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, right? Well, she tried to apply again and again and was always rejected. She filed an antitrust lawsuit last year alleging that the group functioned not to promote actual journalism, you know, Foreign Press Association, but rather the careers of their chosen few. The lawsuit was rejected, but that was a first step toward the mess the Hollywood Foreign Press Association finds itself in today. Hello, Shashti. Hi, Gustavo. How are you? Good, good. So, yeah, I want to start with you covering Hollywood for Norway. How big of an appetite is there for entertainment news from that part of the world? I mean, there's always been a big appetite for Hollywood, of course. And being from a small country like Norway, you know, a lot of people dream about going to Hollywood and dream about, you know, living in L.A., of course. And, you know, the movies that I grew up with watching, it made me so curious about the whole industry here. And of course, the whole movie star industry is for all of us really exciting, especially if you're from Europe, I think. Hi guys, and welcome back to my vlog. Um, today I'm and you're also a YouTuber, right? With over 70,000 subscribers. Man, I gotta get to your level someday. Since last time I vlogged, I did a junket for Bad Moms. You post interviews and behind-the-scenes clips of press junkets and red carpets. The event was Hollywood Film Awards, so they were like expected to be like a lot of big stars there. Angelina Jolie was coming, Jake Gyllenhaal, Kate Winslet. Can you talk a bit about the work you do? Yeah, so I've been covering entertainment news from the U.S. since I moved to New York in 2007. And I've been doing a lot of press junkets, which is basically when you sit down and you talk to talents whenever they have a movie coming out. So I've been working for several of the biggest newspapers in Norway and the magazines. I've been a correspondent on biggest entertainment show in Norway and the other national broadcaster in Norway. So I've been really happy working for almost everyone, all, all you know, outlets in Norway. Why is it so important for someone like yourself to be a part of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association? Because, of course, they have an enormous access. You know, they get about 500 interview opportunities every year with the biggest stars of Hollywood. And I've realized more and more throughout the last like two, three, four years, the access they have gotten is enormous compared to the rest of us. And they actually started cutting out our slots, the rest of the journalists that are here that covers for foreign publications. So this is exactly what I thought it was gonna be. I'm all the way in the back and no one really stops here. They're just half gone. it's really annoying. Hey, can we get a quote about Christmas? Shailene, one quote about Christmas. Sorry guys. And the HFPA is getting a lot of that access. And especially, you know, if you were a TV reporter, they would give the TV slots to members because they vote for the Golden Globes and they want to be on good terms with this association. So, yeah, so that's why we, me and so many other foreign journalists here have tried to get access to HFPA. And a lot of us have been denied membership, mainly because 
they do not want any competitors. You applied multiple times. What was the reason that they'd give you every time they rejected you? They don't give you a reason. <laughs> That's the thing. I was told by several members that, you know, oh, this happens to everyone. You know, no one gets in the first year. It happened to me. I tried eight years and I was like, why? You know, why is this like the thing that you are not supposed to get in the first year? It's like, no, 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 that's that's the way it's always been. And it's horrible. People make up stories about you. They, you know, it's a horrible experience. Even members say that to me, you know, and uh, and I thought this is not OK. So that's the reason you filed the antitrust lawsuit. You allege that while the organization is supposed to be tax exempt, it didn't act the way it was supposed to. Can you tell us more? Yeah. So the thing is, so many people ask me, like, why did you sue them? And my answer is, you know, somebody had to. At one point, somebody had to put their foot down. And I decided to do that uh, after three years of being rejected. The second year I was rejected, we were five journalists applying and they rejected all of us. And then the at that time, President Meher Tatna was interviewed in The Hollywood Reporter and she said, oh, we're looking for, always looking for new talented journalists, but they're so hard to find. And I was like, no, they're not. We're all here. And we all just applied, five of us, and we were all rejected. And none of us got any explanation why. So I got in touch with an attorney who had been working with the Academy for 27 years, David Quinto. And then he interviewed a lot of my colleagues and they could all tell similar stories than mine. So, you know, it's been it's been kind of a not a fight, but it's been like we all got together a big group of journalists now. So you were never able to join the HFPA, yet your lawsuit details allegations of corruption. How did you hear about it? So. My boyfriend, my partner, is a member of the HFPA, and I've been his plus one, if you like, on so many screenings, events, and, you know, and as a journalist, I meet these people anyways. We've been on film festivals together, trips. So I've been kind of an insider in this group for about five years. So I hear a lot of things. They love to talk and gossip. But that wasn't the end of this mess, right? Other foreign entertainment journalists have joined your cause and newspapers began to uncover more bad stuff like what we did at the Times. Did you expect your lawsuit to launch this reckoning that the Hollywood Foreign Press Association finds itself in now? I have to say, when I filed my lawsuit, which I didn't plan to do, I was a bit shocked that they actually wanted to fight this. Why would they want to spend millions of dollars on attorney's fees? to just fight uh, against qualified journalists to join the group. I mean, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. But when I filed, it kind of blew up. I was a little surprised by that. But yeah, no, I, 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 I don't know. The thing is, it was kind of weird because everyone was like, oh, we all knew this. But I was like, how did everyone know about this? And no one said anything. That was kind of the most shocking thing for me. And I think now, you know, it's 2021. There's another bar for these kind of things right now. There's, you know, it's not accepted anymore. Bullies being called out, you know, that that this kind of behavior is is not okay. So I'm kind of, yeah, I'm, I, I feel kind of honored to be a part of that, um, you know, to show that you don't have to accept this kind of behavior. You can actually be part of something, even if you're just a small freelancer like me. You can be a part of something to create change. 
I think that's where a lot of people say, well, what is then the importance of the HFPA and why is it that it's important to have this diverse membership from all over the world and its importance to the entertainment industry? I think, you know, I, I'm not saying all of HFPA is doing is bad. Of course, they've done a, a lot of amazing things. They helped a lot of filmmakers. They helped a, a lot of young new talent, I think, you know, because if you get recognized uh, or get nominated for a Golden Globes, it's a huge career push for that person or for that film crew or for whomever. So, of course, it has helped. And as you can see, like with Minari this year, and it means a lot. And also it means a lot of the people being involved in it because, you know, there's money in that too. And if you win a Golden Globes, other projects will open up. It's definitely uh, has its role in Hollywood, I would say. And I hope we could keep that role. Thank you so much, Shashti. I really appreciate it. Yeah. The 86 members of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association will vote today whether to move forward with the radical reforms our outside lawyers have proposed. Hollywood is waiting to see what they choose. That's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Stephen A. Cuevas, and Denise Guerra. Our executive producer is Abby Fentress Swanson. Our engineer is Mario Diaz, and our theme music is by Andrew Eben. Special thanks to Richard Verrier, Jeff Berkshire, and Julia Turner. I'm Gustavo Ariano. Tomorrow, I'm sharing the mic with my LA Times colleague, Deborah Netburn, on how this pandemic pushed her to play more video games. Welcome to my world, Deborah. I'll be back Monday with all the news and this madre. Gracias. We've updated this episode to reflect the fact that Shashtifla has been living in the U.S. for nearly 15 years, not 20. The Times regrets the error.